I made a play here one day. You might have heard about it. Roy Williams flew, the ball fluttered, my life changed forever. Right there on the two-yard line. North end zone, Dallas, Texas. That's what happens in this game. On one play, in a flash, lives change. Things happen that are never forgotten. In the blink of an eye, what millions of fans remember about one player, one coach, one team. In an instant, it all changes. Rocky's one-armed pick, Stanberry in the rain, Stoney Clark, James Allen in overtime, Jordan Shipley, Patrick Collins in 85, Trey Millard with the hurdle, Peter Gardere, Damian's 95-yard sprint, Dicker the kicker, and of course, Superman. It's the power of this game. Young men will walk down the long, dark tunnel and burst into the brilliance with the knowledge that what happens today may be in a flash, a blink, an instant, will change everything. Take it from a kid from Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, who made a play here one day. There's nothing else like it. It's the greatest game on earth. It's OU Texas. All right, the rush is back. We got the final hour here Friday before OU Texas. We're at the Omni in Dallas. A special guest stopping by. A, a veteran now of the OU Texas game, Porter Moser in the house. What's going on, man? I mean, I just got so much chills listening to that. Thing. <laughs> it just, I am here as such a OU fan. I mean, yesterday when I got here, um, when I took the job like 18 months ago, whatever it was, everyone's like, "You got to go to OU Texas. You got to go to Red River." I'm like, "Okay, okay," and I didn't grasp it. I and just know the football I just, game. And I just right? walked in to the, like the greatest football game I've ever seen. And I was like, all right, I'm coming every year. And uh, just excited to be down here in this atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a highly energetic guy, which we love that about you. And that's a highly energetic game, especially last year. So I feel like you're a guy that really thrived <laughs> off that uh, environment last year. You know what? I love, like, awesome plays. And, yeah. like, there was, like, 15 of them. Yeah, there like, were. There were the amazing plays in those games. And just to see the talent of people stepping up on that stage and making those plays. But what I found was amazing. Uh, I was just telling some out of town friends that uh, it's you never see anything like it. It's like cut right down the middle of the stadium. Like you just don't see that anywhere. You guys so are it's prob- never quiet. You, you're right? pro- exactly. You're probably always. You guys are probably have gone to it for years. But anybody that just got introduced to this rivalry, it's amazing. Like yep. to see that fan base is split right down the middle and walk around the fair. And uh, just truly, truly amazing thing in college sports. It's it's totally unique. Um, it's wild. So tell us, what's the offseason been like for you? I know it's been super busy, ton of moving parts. Uh, that's just that's college basketball these days. But how's it been so far? Well, no one wants to talk about the transfer portal, so we just we're just going <laughs> to skip right. We're going to skip right by that. We, we, we've talked to that to blue in the face. But you know, we got our team. We, we were able to go over to Spain and Paris this summer. The NCAA lets you do that every four years. So we went over there, played three games, and um, we had five guys back from last year's team. And those five guys. That's how you start building it. I've just been thinking about Brent just getting here. And, you know, you, when you're implementing your program, your culture, what you do, offense, defense, everything is so new. 
And what helps is players that have been through it that can be like, this is how we do it. This sure. is our standards. And that first year is just is different. Now we have these five guys, Tanner and Jacob Groves, Jalen Hill, C.J. Nolan, and B. John Cortez. Those five been through it. And now when the newcomers came in this summer, it was like totally different. They're like, this is how we do it. They can show it the way. And that's how you keep building is you, you stay old, you stay with guys that stay there in your program. And uh, that's what our, my offseason was like was – was having those guys establish their leadership. Um, we're back into fall conditioning. Our, we're here. We're in official practice. We heck, we have a we have an exhibition game in like three weeks. It's it's crazy how fast it sneaks upon you. You had a really good end of the regular season last year. What you beat Oklahoma State, you beat West Virginia, you beat Kansas State. Big win against Baylor in the conference tournament, and that game against Texas Tech where you got a chance to win under a minute left. Did that ending of the season that make you feel more optimistic going into year two? Did that fuel anything going into the off season? You know, I, I, when I was in the moment, I wasn't even thinking about the offseason. I was thinking about getting in that freaking yeah. NCAA tournament. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I felt that, you know, I thought, you know, we can have a longer discussion <laughs> another time about whether we should have got in or not because we had five top 15 wins. But, you know, Baylor was a number one seed, and, and, and we beat him. But you know what it did? It just continues to establish with guys like, like Jacob Groves. Harkless got hurt. Remember, Jacob got implemented in the starting lineup, and he had like 15 that game. And it just continued to get his confidence and his, his – um, you know, motivation to, to really get better and stronger in the offseason, and they did. And, uh, you know, I, this our schedule still is one of the top Big 12 basketballs, number one conference in the country, and to go into, um, you know, the offseason knowing we got to do some things. And I love our newcomers. we got some really two top ESPN, top 75 freshmen, and then two of the top transfers to, to add to our, our, our mix and excited about those guys. How much, and you talked about this a little bit, but how much better is it, to introduce those younger players, the recruits, when you do have the players that are setting the culture. I mean, a coach always starts off setting the culture, but it really takes hold whenever the players take that and are teaching it for you. No doubt, no doubt. Even on, like, recruiting visits when they come yeah. on and they've been through it and just watching them. But the, the practices, the unknown in sports, like as a young 18- to 20-year-old, the unknown, you get there. There's so much hype in your recruiting process. You've always been the best in your team. And then when you get to college, what's practice going to be like? What's going to be like going against mm-hmm. a senior or a junior? There's so much unknown. And then once you start to go through it, you get the confidence, I can do this. And then you have guys that return. So it's not unknown anymore. So when the new guys come in, like, hey, this is how we're doing it. Like, this is, it just means everything to build a program is to have veterans in your program showing the way. OU men's basketball coach Porter Moser is our guest. I mean, your daughter's standing right by us. Absolutely, Jordan Moser. the OU women's basketball team, they got like the highest preseason ranking in the Big 12 in four or five years. And we're talking about men's basketball, talking about you, but the women's team, you they know, got it going on right I'm now, I'm not man. saying this just because my daughter's <laughs> on the team, but like Jenny Bronchek, she's so high energy. They got, they got really great chemistry, and they got, they got a lot back. They got almost every major piece back of a team that went to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, their top 20 preseason. And for, for, you know, I'm always out everywhere. I mean, whether it's a fraternity, do, doing anything to get the students there. Yeah. And they have to come in for the women. The women are an exciting brand of basketball. They're really, really good. And we, we've, we've got to fill that stadium for both programs and, and come out and watch us. Which, by the way, it looks like your daughter could drop step and punch one on me. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I wanted to ask you about this, you know. The football team coming off of two losses, right? We lose at home to Kansas State, uncharacteristic play. We go on the road to TCU, and 
it's just a bad performance. There's no way to really sugarcoat it. As a coach, what do you do in a moment like this to get your players' confidence back to, you know, because everyone wants to grind and you want to get better, but how do you balance that with with the coaching, the teaching, the, like, we got to do better with the still keeping the confidence there? So I spoke at the Fort Worth Sooner Club today in Fort Worth, and I was ta- we were talking about this. And this is when, you know, just like your family, when, when something doesn't go right in your family, it's not the time to separate and fracture your family. That's when mm-hmm. the time your family comes stronger together. And that's what I think the Sooner fan base is different, is special. The people are unbelievable. But for Brent, I've gotten to know Brent, and he just I, – I can just see him in the locker room stepping up in front of everybody and showing him, like, the ultimate leadership, like fighting through adversity, you know, keep trying to get better, like, in everything. And just the things he stands for is, is everything you want your program to stand for. And – when you, things go wrong, like two games, it, that's not the time to doubt it right. it's, as a coach. It's the time to step up and be the ultimate leader with your belief. Yep. A, a, a leader, it's, it's a transfer of belief. That's what leadership does. Whatever form you are in, it's a transfer of belief. And he, right now with his players, he, it's all about, I guarantee you, believe how good we are. Believe in what we're doing. Believe in the, the name on your jersey. And uh, that's he's... He's been unbelievable. I know he's so convicted and, uh, with what he's doing, but it's hard because you hear so many voices outward. And here's what's even harder. It's, it's not as much the voices that a coach hears. It's the voices your players hear. you got to get yours. The, like, you, I mean, the voices. You, yeah. the Everyone's voices, telling them they've, oh got, they've, got to, they've, got to, they've got to assert themselves as an individual, right? And it's, it's the, or or, or the, the, you know, anything with social media, anything. It's those yeah. voices that can get – creep doubt in your locker room and that is the challenge of the coaches be like man we we've been through this all right we stubbed our toe all right we stubbed our toe let's go we let's still believe and just seeing brent's energy i know i know that's the message to these guys and uh how they work if you go by their practices it's insane the 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 competitiveness the passion um and so i know that's as a leader that's what he's doing it's a transfer believing that men keep Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Go, getting through where we need to go. You were making some road trips during the spring on those caravan trips. Oh, yeah. uh, Amarillo, Wichita. I don't remember all the ones that you went to. Houston, Dallas. And I remember seeing you and Jenny at a couple of those wearing OU softball uniforms yeah. to show your yeah. support for all the programs, which I think is really cool. But in those times, I'm sure you got to spend maybe some intimate moments with Brent Venables, you know, have some one-on-one spots that maybe you would normally. And maybe you just answered this question, Porter. What gives you confidence that he's going to get this team back on track? They're going to get back to winning football after kind of the, uh, the, the one-on-one spots that you've had with him here recently. What, what, what he's about, his value system, what, he's, what his core, his core, which, which is, you know, anything like a foundation of a house, anything is, is stable. His core and foundation of what, he, what he's about is so rock solid. He's so passionate about the, the pouring into the young men, pouring into, um, you know, the, the fundamentals of how you play, the fundamentals of, of developing a young man. And he's just so convicted with it and, uh, and passionate about it. Yeah. And just, just you know, we, we took a lot of planes, you know, to these different events and sitting here. And I, and I sat there and Jenny and I, we'd listen to him talk. And then, um, but he's, you know, for him, he, it, it's his foundation of what he's about. That's, that's, that's what, you know, if you have a weak foundation, criticism, Adversity is going to knock you over, mm-hmm. and that's why you—that's why you really, as a as a coach in this day and age, at a at a level at this high, your foundation has got to be rock solid. And man, I'm telling you, watching Brent, what he's about—that's he's going to—he's 
he's the unbelievably the right person to handle moving us through this. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Not going to be easy. Going to be a lot of momentum swings. Going to be a typical OU Texas, I'm guessing. Um, we'll, we'll walk away at the end probably with an incredibly close football game, but who knows who's going to win it. It's going to be fun. Coach, thanks for stopping by I, with us. I can't wait to be there tomorrow at the fairgrounds. Yeah. My OU flag. My footlong corn dog. And, nice. Did you storm and, the field last year? Were you one of the, one of the guys I did not. the charge? I, I, I did. <laughs> Probably smart. That would have been in social media if I did that. You, uh, you got an interesting schedule, man. You got Florida and Charlotte this year. It's unbelievable. Uh, hopefully you run Arkansas out of the gym like you did last yeah. year in Tulsa. You got Nebraska coming up. And you got a lot of interesting neutral site games yeah, Villanova, this year. Well, Villanova, we're at the Wells Fargo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, come see us, please. Come see us fill that arena and uh, help us make a difference. No doubt. Awesome. All right, guys. Boomer. Thanks, Coach. All right, quick timeout. More from the Rush coming up. The final hour rolls on next. Football Friday on the Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Appreciate OU men's basketball coach Porter Moser for uh, joining us last segment. Good stuff as always. Five o'clock on a Friday. What are the big stories of the day? Uh, Well, we found out yesterday that Quinn Ewers is is starting this game, and it's 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 so unique, man. I, I think that you've talked a lot of people into this. My stepdad's a Texas fan. You've even talked him into this. He told me this last night. Is normally when you've been waiting on a starting quarterback to play, you feel better about the game. But there is reason to feel more optimistic if you're an OU fan that it's going to be Quinn Ewers and not Hudson Card on Saturday, which is no kind of unique, man. No doubt. Because it felt like he was really getting in a rhythm and in a groove at the quarterback position, talking about Card. Well, yeah, and I think there, I think there's a chance that it maybe fractures the locker room at Texas a little bit. Um, you know, you're arguably your best player on offense, Xavier Worthy, just had a three-touchdown game, right, with, um, with Hudson Card at the helm. So – yeah, I, I think it's strange. Like you, you give yourself the out if you don't start him of being able to to pull Hudson Card and put him in the game for a spark if you need it. You know, whenever whenever things don't go well early, if they don't go well early, um, and you can still do that and put Hudson Card in, but doesn't necessarily have the same effect. And then at that point, what have you done to the mentality of the guy that you really wanted to be the quarterback? For the season so yeah I, I think it was a, a strange move and honestly I it's so strange that I'm still not even sure that I believe that it's going to happen right <laughs> though uh, it was reported by ESPN but I hear you it, it is interesting to think about how Texas has handled this week not, not just the expectations of being a what nine and a half point favorite yesterday it's well, I mean, which quarterback are they keying in on? I, I, I'm I, sure they probably have the opinion, like the rest of us, that Gabriel isn't going to play tomorrow. But have they been focusing on more than one quarterback or the other? Like De- uh, Bevel and Booty, they're kind of the same for the most part. But Evers is more of a dual-threat quarterback. I'd, I'd be interested to know how Texas has approached this week of preparation. Right, yeah. Well, um, for them, like, like the preparation defensively for Texas – is way more difficult than the defensive preparation for Oklahoma. As far as like trying to uh, trying to worry about like who's going to be quarterback and all of that. Like for for Texas, Ewers and Hudson Card are the same quarterback. The offense is going to look the same for for Texas with with ever with, you know regardless of whoever's playing for them. So like that's not an issue for us. But for them, 
if it's not Gabriel, they have to know that we're going to be trying to create some offense and move the football in some non-standard ways. And, and that is what can be scary as a, as a defensive coach trying to prepare. So, no, I, I also think that starting a backup quarterback is a boost for a team in a one-game scenario. It's obviously you don't want your backup quarterback for the extended season, but whenever you start him for a one-game scenario, everyone on the team knows going in that it's going to take a bigger effort yep. from everyone involved. Yep. And whenever that's the case, the the laser-like focus, the you know the pulling together of the locker room of the offense of the defense saying hey we got a offensive line guys we got to be able to block the running game we've got to be fantastic in protection let's meet extra this week to make sure we know all the fronts we know all the blitzes we got the communication down receivers know that they've got to be sharp in their routes they got to help the quarterback out you know the the defense knows hey we're not going to have a big big amount of points go off offensively. We've got to dial in special teams. Like everyone, you know, pulls in a little bit tighter whenever you know you're going to have a backup quarterback. That's why I think it can it can be a, a, an advantage for like a one-off scenario kind of like this football game. Yeah, and I like that point. The only thing I worry about is and it, it's a very slight worry is yeah, everyone realizes they've got they got to up their game. Just don't try to do more than your job, man. No doubt. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily been an issue for this team, especially defensively, is trying to do their job and then some. But, d- dude, j- just do your job, man. Mentally, right. j- just make sure that you're in the right spot and things are going to take care of themselves. But it's the point that I think that we've said all week long is, you know, some people are looking at the Brent Venables era now and having some questions, but a lot can be forgiven if you beat Texas and you no beat doubt. Texas tomorrow. The trajectory or the feel of this whole thing, this whole season, can dramatically shift if you just figure out a, a way to win tomorrow. Without I, a doubt. I, I don't think that there is a um, moral victory situation here, and I don't think that there ever should be when we're talking about OU or losing to Texas. But if you win tomorrow, the season, it flips, man. I mean, I, I don't know if there's – like you're not going to make it to the college football playoff and you maybe not make it to the Big 12 championship game, but a lot of good things can happen if you – God, you just win tomorrow. Right. Well – you know, um, we were hoping that TCU was going to be a get-right game. It obviously was not. But Texas is the ultimate get-right game, you know, especially whenever you come in as an underdog. Uh, if you can pull it off, it would, it would give this team the jolt that I feel like it needs. And, you know, like when I was talking about uh, just a second ago how I think the backup quarterback can potentially give you a, a bit of a burst for a one-game scenario, I, it can also go horribly wrong, right? Where your quarterback goes out there and he turns the football over two or three times and it's just a hole that you don't have the ability to crawl out of. Like, that's a realistic scenario too. And that's a realistic scenario whether it's Bevel, whether it's Booty, no matter what they do at quarterback. Um, so, uh, listen, it's not ideal, but it doesn't have to be the end of the world, I guess, is, is all I'm saying. I've uh, said it countless times. I know everyone's tired of hearing it. Put the pressure on Texas, yada, yada. And a lot of that has been, well, just put pressure on Texas in the fourth quarter. I think you can put pressure on Texas in the first couple of series, man. Like, I, I think back to some of these upsets. I remember th- 2013, 
Texas put the pressure on OU when they were big underdogs. They got up like 14-0 in this game. You don't have to wait into the fourth quarter for Texas to feel the pressure. You come out and you dodge that initial haymaker that they're going to try to throw, and you come out and, you, and you know it, it's midway through the first quarter and you got a touchdown lead, and things kind of settle in off the emotion of that game, that's where you could see Texas saying, ooh, wow, this is not going to be the quick knockout blow that maybe we expected. But I, I think it's just that, is get through the initial barrage that they're going to try to throw at you offensively and still be standing defensively. Yeah. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big key. Start fast, maintain, finish strong. But, you know, I'll also throw this out there on the, on the flip side of that. This is not a game to throw in the towel if you're down early. It's true. Or if you're down in the second half. I, Texas under Sarkeesian has blown a bunch of fourth quarter leads. So, I, you're not out of this thing until it's over. So, and, you know, I feel like this team fights and fights well. Even when they're down, like against TCU, it was bad. It won good football, but you know I didn't see that team quit. You know, it, so I know it was frustrating, but I, I don't think that would be the case. I'm just saying that, um, you know, I, I totally feel like we'll never be out of this football game. You know, within reason, obviously, yeah. but you know, Texas is not has not shown to be a, a good full four quarter football team. Another reason to potentially feel good about this defense tomorrow and what they might do is, you know, we haven't – this might be the first game where we see a different offensive approach in that they're trying to control the clock more. They're trying to slow it down a little bit more. They've had some drives that last, you know, hopefully five and a half, six minutes instead of, you know, three plays, 49 seconds. Like, who's to say that this defense can't benefit – off of a different mentality from the offense. And i got to think that this offense without Dylan Gabriel is going to have a different mentality than just trying to go fast, fast, fast. I'll be interested to see how this defense responds from that. You know, not feeling like it could be like three plays and we might get back out there, or three and out. We might, like, this is might be an offense tomorrow if they take care of business in the running game that you know, helps your defense quite a, quite a bit more. Well, last week I think we had – Ten possessions in the first half. I would like this to be a game where we have 12 possessions for the entire football game, which for a long time was the was the average. Now it's it's a little bit more than that, but that's the type of game we need to play. Slow, limit the amount of possessions because you, you gotta you gotta feel like at least how things stand today. Because of injuries, Texas's offense is the stronger offense. So, whenever that's the case, you want to limit the possessions in a football game, not extend them. So, we'll see. I I, I don't know. It, we'll find out how much we think or how much tempo is ingrained in what Jeff Levy wants to do. If they come out and continue to push tempo, like, buckle up because um, – I, that's what we're going to get regardless moving forward. Kaysen says, Gabriel, Booty, Bevel, Evers, don't matter. Sooners by Fitty. And Sooners by Fitty is in all caps. Nice. I'm trying to think back to a past game where there's a reasonable comp to this game with the current situation where, you know, the starters in question, we're trying to, you know, decide who the backup quarterback's going to be. And I can't, 
off the top of my head, I can't really think of a game that kind of, you know, matches this one that we might see on, on Saturday. Well, the, um, the the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, we weren't sure who the quarterback yeah, was going to be. Yeah, yeah, you no, know, and I was thinking more of OU Texas games, but sure, yeah, we, we didn't know it was going to be Blake Bell or uh, or Trevor Knight, and they went with Trevor Knight. There's Jeremiah Hall popping in. What's going on, man? What's going on, dude? Um, and obviously OU won that. But OU Texas games, I can't think of a reasonable comp to, to this one. But, hey, maybe this is the one that stands out all by itself, right? Yeah, I guess the only game I can think of is, you know, and, and it was an in-game situation, and it wasn't like who's going to play, but uh, whenever we lost our quarterback in 01. Yeah. Uh, concussion to Hibble and Jason White came in and, and gave a, uh, a bit of a spark using his legs and, and doing some different things. Like, that was big time. But, you know, a different football game where you held them to three points the entire game, you know. So, like, if if we hold them to three points tomorrow, I don't care who we play at quarterback, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, well, it's true. So, yeah, it's 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 not the it's not the best situation to be in, but hey, I uh, I still feel still it's feel not, okay. It's not the best position to be in. Your starting quarterback's out. I think your best defensive player may not play tomorrow. Most in consistent Billy Bowman, player, yep. most consistent player, and you've had issues on the back end. He's the guy that kind of seemingly holds everything together. So it's like we're not trying to tell you that this is an ideal situation, but again, for the nine hundredth time this week. This is more about Texas and the spot that they're in because I cannot remember. Well, I guess 2009, I can remember the last time Texas has been in this spot in the game. And, yeah, Texas won the football game, and Texas went on and played in the national championship that year. But that was a 16-13 game when Sam Bradford got hurt and OU had a pick six in the end zone. And if you break a Colt McCoy tackle, you go 102 yards and might end up winning that game. So I've just... I've just seen people come in super arrogant and they get humbled in this game really quick. Yeah. Well, um, the other fact that I think is escaping some folks is this is not the 2005 Texas Longhorns. Not remotely close to it. This is a, what is it? Two, one and two and nine? Two and. They've lost seven of their past nine yeah. Big 12 games. And one of those wins was against Kansas State, the backup quarterback at the tail end of last the year. The Howard who, kid. Who's not a very good team. And then uh, West Virginia, who some think is the uh, worst team in the conference this year. Right. So uh, that's something that you have to remember. Yeah, we are definitely not at our best. But Texas is – they are not a juggernaut by any stretch. Totally beatable. Um, and I know, hey, painting a painting a rosy picture of the situation tomorrow, it, it's, it's within reason to expect the team to come out and perform poorly because that's what we've seen the last two weeks. Uh, and, and I understand anyone that, that is expecting the same to happen. I'm, I'm fine with that. But, I. Uh, I just don't think it has to be the case, and uh, I feel like it's it's also well within reason to expect them to perform well, like we've also seen Agree. this year. So, all right, 
Let's check in on the text line whenever we come back. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left on a Friday. Heading into OU Texas. We're at the Omni in Dallas. Stay tuned. Oh, buddy. It's a football Friday. As, uh, we're about to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line if you want to hop in. 405-651-3439. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, live from the Omni right here in downtown Dallas. Be sure to download our free app in the App Store. Just search KREF, best way to listen to our pre- and post-game coverage of OU Texas tomorrow. But first, got to do filling up the stat sheet by Dorsey, Buick, Jones, GMC in El Reno. Dorsey, Jones, Buick, GMC.com. That's 2830 US 81 North in El Reno, Oklahoma. Um, leading rusher tomorrow. I think you got three candidates, right? you got Eric Gray. You've got uh, Marcus Major and Javante Barnes, which somebody said that Barnes is going to be the leading rusher earlier today. Am I going to go crazy here and go Marcus Major? I don't know, but I'll let, I'll let you pick first on this Friday. I think uh, Jaron Canick's going to be the leading <laughs> rusher. That's good. Uh, that's, with the Wildcat. That's a good pull from this week. I think we'll run it early in the, early in the football game just to plant the seed, um, You know, have them thinking about it, and then come back to it in the fourth quarter whenever we've exhausted all of our other options at quarterback um he will get jaron canick is going to have 55 carries for 275 yards it's going to be, be a steve a owens day. workload tomorrow yes. is what you're saying exactly yeah well i'll go bray walker leading pressure tomorrow <laughs> since someone said snap it to him in the wildcat bray walker will have uh 31 carries for 29 yards, but he'll have five touchdowns. How about that? Wow. No, I I think um, I'm going to go with Eric Gray. That's that's not an off-the-wall pick. I think he's been excellent. I I think that, you know, he's he's still averaging, even after the TCU game, you know, up there close to, what, six and a half? Is it even more than that uh, yards per carry? Um, I think Eric Gray's been awesome. We're just going to have to stick with it and roll with it, and this may be a day where yeah. if we're getting it blocked good up front, I hopefully all three of those guys end up getting a significant amount of carry. This is not the day that you abandon the run game. No. Uh, this might be a day where Eric Gray has the most carries that he's had in, well, definitely this season, maybe his OU career on Saturday. Yeah. This is a run on first and second down type of game coming up tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, and, is what it and is. Especially if you can – you know, especially if you can find some success with it. And I think that we can. I think we can attack the perimeter and do some pretty good things. But, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be easy. You know, we, we've, we've struggled at times running the football. And, you know, we can't have the big negative yardage plays. We need to be able to stay ahead of the chains and, and give ourselves the, the, the opportunity to use Mims, like the best thing about our offense is Mims and the deep ball. Yeah. And if we can't run the ball successfully, we're never going to give ourselves chances to do that. Filling up the stat sheet brought to you by Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. DorseyJonesBuickGMC.com. Text line says, whatever happens, we cannot get blown out. We're OU football and we always fight. We got to hang tough as we work through these growing pains and let Brent install his system. But being blown out is very deflating and will destroy the will of this team. I, I agree with all of that. Yeah. A, a moral victory situation doesn't exist here. But if we come back Monday and I've been wrong all week long and they do lose 50-3, to three, um, that's kind of one of those where you say, I don't really know where you go from here. The only moral victory 
that we can have is a legitimate victory. Right? Yes. That's the only way to, to have this fi- team feeling better about themselves. Um, you know, there's no way anyone, fans, coaches, players, walks away with anything but a win and says that they feel good about it moving forward. Now, uh, they will be saying that it's not the end of the world, which it's not, but there will be no uh, no moral victory coming out of this one. Tyler, I think Gabriel is starting tomorrow because Teddy is laying it on too thick that he has a very, very low percentage to play. I think Teddy is in the know and doesn't want to reveal anything, LOL. I wish that was the case. I'm not revealing anything, but I'm telling you, <laughs> it's between zero and zero point. Uh, 7% chance that he plays. So, so far, Bevel. You're telling me there's a chance. Exactly. So far, Bevel has looked like 2009 Landry Jones. He needs to look like 2010 Landry Jones if OU's going to have a chance to win tomorrow. What, but what does that mean, like, so far? You mean whenever he came into a game where we were getting bludgeoned already? Right? Is, yes. is that whenever he came in and, and didn't look good as a backup? I mean, that is a, it's a position where you're destined to fail, all right? You got everyone on the team is getting banged up left and right, dropping like flies. It, it, no one was going to come in and look good on that day. It, I, was just that, it was just that type of day. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that Bevel's going to come out and absolutely light it up at quarterback. I don't think that's the case. But it, it's one of the most frustrating things for me that everyone's answer is always someone who hasn't played yet, right? Well, and, because we saw that last year in the OU Texas game, so I think it kind of warps people's minds. But he like, had you know, played. I mean, he'd come in already had a rushing touchdown. Did he have the first rushing touchdown of the year last yeah. year? Yeah, he did. He, he played against Kansas State. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was bad. I mean, he he came in. It wasn't his first snaps that he'd taken all year at quarterback, and. You know, really, he was just coming in that game as a spark, as a runner. And, you know, and, and I just, frankly, we don't have that guy on the roster right now. And I've, I've heard Nick Evers is, you know, incredibly athletic and, and he can move with the football some. And, like, maybe they have a short yardage package or something like that for him. But I, I, th- there's no way you hand over the, the, the keys to the offense to a guy that hasn't taken the snap. And whenever you saw him play in the spring, you said, we got to get a backup quarterback. We got to go to the transfer portal. That doesn't give me any confidence. Bevel was 14 of 18 in the bowl game last year. That's the Peach Bowl against Michigan State. 0.69% chance, says the text line. Exactly. On, uh, on Hello. Gabriel playing. Line is dropping. Thought that meant Gabriel is playing. No, guys, it does not. It does not mean Gabriel's playing. I. Here, just to say it again in case anyone hasn't listened or heard this earlier, let's just, let's just say that Dylan Gabriel, after taking the concussion against Texas Christian, is 100% healthy, scans totally clean, symptom-free. Every neurologist, every team doctor, everyone has signed off on Dylan Gabriel being okay to play. And he goes out there and plays – and he gets hit, and he gets a concussion, and he's laying out there on the field again after he was a week ago. Do you, do you recognize 
how detrimental that will be to the University of Oklahoma's football program and what, what that looks like to the rest of the country and how every single media, uh, you know, every, every outlet, every news station, every newspaper will pounce on that and talk about how Oklahoma doesn't care about their players. How could they be so clueless? It'd be like, worse than the Dolphins have been. Yeah. Because you had the evidence. Like, and how it's could a college you do this kid. after a college kid? Yes, all that. It'd be worse. You just can't do it. I mean, and I, I don't know for sure. Like, maybe he does play, but like, that's my view of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's it's unfortunate, you know that. Like, and I don't know how bad it was to begin with. You, you don't want to be in a spot like where I feel. You can't play him regardless of how he feels. Yeah, I agree. All right, we got to hit a break. We got one more segment left coming up next. All right, quick timeout. Final segment is next here from the Omni in Dallas. Stay tuned. How about this song to end our uh, coverage of OU Texas on Friday? Live at the Omni in downtown Dallas, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Call us a homer on Monday if you like, if OU gets blown out in this game. But Teddy and I have been pretty consistent all week long. I just. I just think it's going to be a close football game, mostly because I don't think Texas is very good. Texas isn't good enough to blow out a lot of teams. So that's, that's well, kind of where I'm at. Yeah, but there's no doubt about that. I, you know, I, I think that we can get blown out if we play as bad as we did against TCU. I mean, that's, that's definitely in the cards. I just I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, I've seen this team play way better than we have the last two weeks. Does that guarantee that it happens? No, it doesn't. But, you know, if ever there's a time for the team to come together and, and recognize uh, the dire situation and, and what they've got to do to redeem themselves, it's now. And, you know, most likely playing a backup quarterback, I, I, I just think that that makes everyone else rally at a level that they wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. So. The more I think about it, the more weird it is that not only did they announce Quentin Ewers, they announced it on Thursday, which I, I don't know. I, That's what I'm telling you. I, it's I, I, so I, dumb that I don't even believe yeah. it. And, and they lost to Tech, but there were stretches in that game where offensively they were playing pretty well, and they played really well offensively against West Virginia. I just buy into an offense kind of figure out in their flow, figuring out their rhythm, and it felt like maybe they were getting out with Hudson Card and then Bam, you revert back to a guy that hasn't played in four weeks. That's got to do something to your rhythm offensively. Well, yeah. Especially I, when your skill position kind of predicated as a team. It's yeah, weird. Well, Xavier Worthy is coming off his biggest game of the season by far, uh, and that was with Hudson Card. And, you know, if you go back and watch that game, Hudson Card made some high-level throws. He was throwing guys open. He was pushing the ball down the field. He was moving around outside the pocket. Uh, you know he he was he was legit and now now you you erase whatever um, you know wh whatever advancement you've had offensively over the last couple of weeks and you start back at square one and w with a freshman quarterback who's never played in this game never been in this game and I just think that that's a an unnecessary risk for Sarkeesian I think it's much better. I, when, if you want him to end up being the guy, it's much better to pull him off the bench when Hudson Card is, makes a mistake yep. or can't get the offense rolling. So now you don't have that option. 
you know, when we talk about the corners tomorrow, you know, most people say, ah, well, the corners, they can't let anything behind them. They, they just can't have free runners in the back end, which obviously that's true. I think equally important tomorrow for the corners, being able to come up and tackle, man. Sure. If they can't come up and tackle, then I don't know if Texas is going to have to go vertical all that much for big plays. As equally important it is as OU's contesting deep balls down the field, they have got to come up and tackle because we're going to see Texas throw so many bubble screens tomorrow and make OU come up and make a play. Well, you know, one of the things that I feel good about with the secondary is, like those pass interference calls that we had against TCU, I mean, but part of me understands – I. To be in phase and turn and find the football, we've got to do that, right? And it's easier said than done telling the corner that. But whenever you're guarding a guy that's six foot five, like you, you automatically are pressing and panicking a little bit more than you are whenever you're covering a guy that's the the same size as you. Texas's receiving core does not look like TCU's. Like they're dangerous. Yeah. There's no doubt, but it's not. Because they're six foot five, yeah. so I think that, think uh, like I feel like it doesn't necessarily favor us, but I feel like it's a better matchup than the TCU situation. Last was. thing on the quarterbacks is I wonder, like if Hudson Card was in there playing, I'd say, hey, first play of the game could be a deep shot down the field. You never know, and maybe it is with Quinn Ewers, but at the same time, you would think that maybe you want to kind of get him in a flow after not. Like yeah. Maybe that takes away some of your early options as an offense in those first couple series if you got a quarterback in there playing that hasn't played in almost a month. No doubt. So it's a factor. No doubt. All right, that's it for us. Everyone be safe. Have fun at the game tomorrow. It's all right. Believe in these guys. They'll, uh, they'll go out there and put a, a good effort out tomorrow. Um, I believe it. All right, quick timeout. <laughs> Long timeout. Long timeout. That's it for us. Pre-game show 7 a.m. from the Cotton Bowl tomorrow. We're out of here.